0: You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus.
1: Enjoy the podcast. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know these things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us as he was talking to us on the road while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, "The Lord has risen indeed, and He has appeared to Simon." Then they told what had happened on the road and how He had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God.
0: Thank you, God. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. Thank you, Jocelyn. Thank you, Landon. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's wonderful to see you all. My name is Drew Wilson. I'm one of the pastors in this community of faith. And as we prepare to pass the peace, to greet one another with signs of God's peace and love, I have a question for you. And the question is this, at what table do you spend the most time? At what table do you spend the most time? It could be your table at home. It could be a desk at school. A desk at work. It could be a counter and a coffee shop. For example, I would say, hi, I'm Drew and the table where I spend the most time is my desk at work. Okay. So I'm going to invite y'all. First off, any kids that are here can head out to kids ministry. Yes. Thank you so much. So head on back to back there and we welcome y'all to have a delightful time together. Cool. And then for the rest of us here, I invite you to stand as you can and just turn to some folks that you may know or that you don't know and just say, hi, I am blah, blah, blah. I spend most time at this table. Go for it. All right, we're going to reel it back in. And we also want to greet all of our folks online. Thank you for joining us as well. We see you. It's good to be with you. So let's bring it back in. And uh, I want to thank everybody for sharing about what table, at what table you spend the most time. And I hope that in this sharing, we got to hear about some important tables. All right. Oh man, y'all love to talk about some tables. Okay. All right. I need my bell. Bing, bing. There we go. Okay. All right. Okay. So even if we've never seen each other's tables before, it's, it's magical how our minds can start to imagine some of those tables. Even if we've never seen them before, we can imagine them anyway. Our imaginations are mysterious and wonderful. Well, today is the first day of our new worship series, Gifts of God, and that comes from a phrase that you all may know. Uh, Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. Pentecost is just a month away when we will remember the story of how the Holy Spirit empowered the early church. And to get ready, we are going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit and also fruits of the Spirit evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I hope that you will stick with us through this worship series, gifts of God. And let's start with the phrase where we get this idea, gifts of God for the people of God. Does that sound familiar at all? You may even know a response to that phrase by heart, like when we stand here around the table and we say, the gifts of God for the people of God Thanks be to God. God. Oh, you liturgical beings. That's wonderful. You got it. All right. You know your stuff. We say this every single week when we come to the table for the Eucharist, for Holy Communion, for the Lord's Supper, and for our worship series on gifts of God. Let's start here with gifts at the table. At the start of her book, This Holy Mystery, Gail Carlton Felton tells the story of a little girl whose family took her forward to receive communion in church. Disappointed with the small piece of bread dipped into the cup and given to her, she cried loudly, I want more! And maybe people laughed. Maybe the family was embarrassed. I don't know. But maybe a lot of us feel the same way. Maybe we feel the same way. We get something when we come to church, but maybe we are ready for more. Maybe we're ready for more. Well, good news. At the table, there is always more than meets the eye. That's a lesson from our story today, which Jocelyn just read. On Easter, two disciples... This is the very first Easter, okay? On Easter, two disciples are walking to the town of Emmaus. They are talking, they're processing, grieving, because remember, Jesus just died a few days before. But then, Jesus shows up. Risen from the dead, Jesus starts walking and talking with them on the road, but they don't see him. Did you catch that? They don't see him. I mean, they see him, but they don't recognize him. He even explains all the old scriptures to them. This is a graduate-level Bible study with Dr. Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> I don't actually know that was his middle name. But, but it takes something else to open their eyes. And what does it take? It takes a table. It takes a table. Jesus loved the table. His life began at a table of sorts. Remember? A manger. A feeding trough. And he miraculously fed thousands of people. There are stories about that. He ate with friends and sinners and he got into trouble for it. And as a professor of mine once said, Jesus loved a meal so much that he became one. On the night he gave himself up, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body given for you and this wine is my blood given for you. Whenever you do this, remember me. Jesus became a meal to remember. And in our story today, the two disciples just are not remembering Jesus. Even though he's walking and talking with them, even though he is teaching them graduate level Bible study. But only when they sit down at a table do they remember who is with them. Jesus takes bread, blesses it, breaks it, gives it to them, and their eyes are open. Jesus is remembered. The risen Christ is made known in the breaking of the bread. Right. How about that? How about that? And we have been coming to the table ever since. The early church gathered not around a pulpit. Right. The early church gathered not around a cross. Right? right? The cross was scary stuff. That was a little too raw. People weren't going to be like, let's bring a cross in here. They were like, No. Instrument of death, of torture? No. Put that around your neck? No. (laughs) No. And the early church didn't gather around a bandstand either. The early church gathered around a table. Why? Because the risen Christ is made known in the breaking of the bread. Breaking of the bread. And the church is all about pointing out places where there is more than meets the eye. That's what the church is about. The manger. That manger holds a savior. Mm. You wouldn't have seen that, would you? That son of a carpenter is the son of God. That that Samaritan loves his neighbor. Those women are the first to preach the resurrection. That stranger, whoo, that stranger is Christ. And this table is heaven on earth. Taste and see, there is more going on here than meets the eye. The church has a story to tell, y'all. And in the church, we have a word for this thing. And the word is sacrament. Sacrament. And sacrament comes from the Latin word sacramentum, which means vow or promise. Now, just think about this. When you make a vow or a promise to someone, your promise holds meaning, doesn't it? I mean, maybe it's just some words, but it holds something for you, doesn't it? And just so, there are things in our lives that are sacramental. They hold meaning for us, like a table or like a book or like a blanket that belonged to someone you love or a meal that you take to someone. It's never just that thing, is it? It holds meaning. There are things that are sacramental. I want you all to be able to use this word. So sacramental. Can you say it with me? Sacramental. Something you love that holds meaning. It is sacramental in your life. And there are things that are sacramental. And then in the church, there are sacraments. Some official sacraments. We name two sacraments. Baptism and Communion. If you're Church of the Brethren, you also say that foot washing is sacramental. But, y'all, I know some people get uncomfortable with that stuff. So, but baptism and communion. Baptism and communion. Communion, this meal. This meal here, as John Wesley defined it, sacrament, an outward sign of inward grace. It's holding something in it. An outward sign of inward grace and a means whereby we receive the same. In other words, it's a a channel through which we receive that grace that's in there. The bread and wine are the outward sign. It seems like a good time to... There we go. Let's do that. The bread and wine are the outward sign, but there's more than meets the eye. There is so much more than a morsel. There is grace within. God is with us. God is with us. And Christ has chosen this meal as a means for us to receive God's grace. Here, Christ Christ is made known in the breaking of the bread. Now, in the early church, the Greek word for sacrament was mysterium. Mystery. It's a mystery. Through the sacrament... Somehow, through the sacrament, Christ opens our senses beyond our sight to more than meets the eye. And you who come to church longing for something more, come to the table. Come to the table because here God is building community. God is bringing peace. God is transforming not just bread and wine but hearts and lives. Come receive and be sent out into the world. We come to this table, we encounter the risen Christ in the breaking of the bread, and we are sent into the world because the table of Emmaus is everywhere we go. When I was 19 years old, I was at my lowest point of connection to the church. I was really not interested I was asked to help lead music at a retreat for young people who were interested in ordained ministry. And that was not me. (laughs) Not me. I did not want to be there. But one night, I had finished the music, and I was ready to head back to my dorm. And I was leaning against the double doors of this space in the Wesley Foundation, right? Leaning against the double doors. Set to just push out of there. Right? I mean, it's a good feeling when you break free with your back out those double doors. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it because I was transfixed listening to a clergy woman talk about the table. Gets me. Mm. The grace of the open table. I was transfixed. I I was standing there imagining all this wounded world being welcome at this table. And my heart started racing. For any Wesleyan folk, strangely warmed. My heart was strangely warmed. I mean, my heart really started racing in that moment. And I knew that this was where I wanted to spend my life. My life. I wanted to be a part of welcoming people to the table. Not just so that people would come to church, but so that the world would be a welcome table. And that's why I started the ordination process the very next week. (laughs) From lowest point of relationship to church to, let me go get ordained. And that process took 10 years. And I hung in there and it was worth it because nothing compels me like this table. Nothing. Last spring at Boulevard... United Methodist Church, months before we started this collaborative relationship with Center Church, our leaders developed this vision. And the vision is extending God's table to build a loving and equitable Richmond. Extending God's table to build a loving and equitable Richmond. Weekly communion was at the heart of our worship together in a storefront on Broad Street. And we felt called to extend the grace and welcome of God's table to welcome heaven on earth right here in Richmond, as what, what, in RVA as it is in heaven. Somebody says that I've heard that before. I just you know. And this vision, this vision is why I reached out to Stephen last fall and came to worship at Center Church in the Robinson Theater, October seventeenth or eighteenth, seventeenth I think. And when Stephen, this wonderful human being right here, Stephen, when he stood up at the table that Sunday in October and he said, You know, the Eucharist is my favorite part of what we do. And we do this every week, my mouth fell open. Because it was like we were, it was like we were companions on the road to Emmaus. And the journey into collaboration between churches, it's been a challenge for all of us. We've put in a lot of body and blood, (laughs) but we have seen resurrection together. And the table keeps extending. God's table keeps extending. So let's claim this story. What do you say we claim this story? If the risen Christ is made known in the breaking of the bread, then, then how can we break bread wherever we go? Hmm. How can we break bread wherever we go? How can we extend God's table wherever we go? And here's what I mean. Remember that first question. Uh, where At what table do you spend the most time? Now hold that table in your mind. Hold that table in your mind, and now imagine that that table, you got it? Imagine that table is a communion table. Imagine that Christ is the host at that table. Imagine that Christ is your host at that table. Now, what if you approach that table and every table in your life as the table of Christ? Your table at home, how different would your table at home be if every time you sat down it's Christ's communion table? Your desk at work or at school, how different would it be if that were Christ's communion table? A virtual table in a Zoom gathering, how different would your experience of Zoom be if it were Christ's communion table between you and every person? What if every surface between you and someone you encounter becomes a communion table? Things will change, won't they? Things will change. Our hearts will burn within us, is what will happen. Despairing disciples will find compassion and companions and hope. Pondering people will experience joy again. Folks will be fed. Elementary school grounds will be transformed. Mm -hmm. Teachers will know that they are not alone. Under-resourced neighborhoods will receive co-workers in a new creation. We will take this collaborative spirit and extend God's table to celebrate Holy Communion wherever we go. Love and equity will spread like a banquet. Heaven will appear on earth as it has among us in these glimpses at God's table. And we will come back together like those first disciples. We will marvel together that we have seen the risen Christ out there and right here. Made known everywhere in the breaking of the bread. Hallelujah. Let it be. Amen. And I invite the band to come up. And uh, would you all join me quickly in a time of prayer? Let us pray. O Holy One, you who are made known in the breaking of the bread, we bless you. We bless you for being with us, and we pray that we could. That we could. Recognize the sacramental quality, the mysterious quality of your presence with us wherever we go. So God, be revealing your risen self in strange and surprising places this week and always. In the name of the risen